This is Lords of Order, a Dr. Fate fan podcast, and I'm your host, Ed Moore. The podcast can be found at BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate. Feedback emailed to the Dr. Fate podcast at gmail.com, or comments can be left on Facebook and Google Plus under Lords of Order. Our book this time out is More Fun Comics, issue 58, dated August 1940. Be aware this is a spoiler show, uh, 75 years. I'm not sure you know how spoilery it is, but I, I said it just in case. The story we're looking at was scripted by Gardner Fox with pencils, inks, and letters by Howard Sherman. A lot of times in these older books, there was n- no one on record for coloring, which I always find curious. I don't know if that means that perhaps Sherman went ahead and colored it, or it was such a group effort that there was no reason to keep up. You know, Obviously, they kept up with the fact that Sherman did inks and letters, but they didn't keep up with who colored it. So, All right, our story opens with our, the narrator telling us that high on a hilltop in ghost-haunted Salem stands a lonely stone tower. Some say the Vikings built it before Columbus discovered America. It has windows, but no doors. Within this strange edifice lives Dr. Fate, man of mystery, possessor of ancient secrets, his face unknown, but his deeds legion, wherein he fights those present-day sorcerers against whose black magic law officials are powerless. I believe this is the first time that we have seen that his base is in Salem. Uh, that that does become a, a part of his continuity, but I think it's it's talked about first here. We find Dr. Fate in his tower of, uh, of loneliness, his tower of fateness, whatever you want to call it, studying the lost book of Thoth, T-H-O-T-H. And he's determined that the book must be found because it contains secrets that need to stay secret. So he needs to ensure that it is okay, not in the wrong hands. The book was entombed in a trunk that was sank to the bottom of the river Coptus and is guarded by a giant immortal snake. Seemingly okay. So Dr. Fate travels to Egypt, dives into the river only to find that the snake dead, the trunk open, and the book missing. So now he has much worries. Those horrid ancient secrets that the Atlanteans knew uh, are now out. So he's decided that he's going to seek Inza Kramer's help, yet again, because she may discover a clue, he says, that I, because I must spend my life in the tower, may miss. And as he's zipping through the air towards Inza's penthouse, I'd be curious why Inza lives in a penthouse. That takes quite a bit of money. Uh, the, the entire penthouse has been removed from the building, tossed into the air, and is now plummeting to the street below. Fate arrives just in time as Enza manages to scramble out onto a patio. Fate extricates her from the plummeting penthouse, and then using uh, an atomic... Uh, let's see what it says... Um, Fury of atomic force stored within his body. He releases the fury of atomic force stored within his body. He turns the penthouse to dust, and the dust just showers down onto the streets below. They head to Fate's Tower, uh, which reminds me, something I wanted to bring up here. Um, They say that the tower 
is doorless. But right under that narration, there is a panel uh, that says, Dr. Fate emerges from his doorless house by means of a sliding panel. Now, if he walks through a man-shaped portal out of this structure, does that not make that a door? And so if that's the case, the structure truly isn't doorless, is it? The doors are hidden, right? Because the doors obviously exist. He didn't like phase through the wall or something. If, if you could see the illustration, it's plainly a door. Uh, so, I don't know, if, if this was texted uh, by a different individual that wrote that original narration, or if the person wrote them both and just didn't necessarily pay any mind to the fact that they conflicted. So, uh, we find Fate at and, and Inza at his tower. He's going to study to see if he can determine who now has the Book of Thoth. And he casts a spell that results from uh, like a, a scrying dish or uh, there's another word given for these uh, cauldrony vessels that will bubble forth a, a mist or a smoke. And I can't... Uh, not a copse. But anyways, th- this cauldron, white smoke. And in the smoke, he sees a vision of the evil mage. He must be evil because he possesses the Book of Thoth. That's kind of funny. And then the image backs out and you can see the house that the mage is in. The house is atop the chalk cliffs, the white cliffs of Devon. I thought that was the white cliffs of Dover. Uh, The chalk cliffs of Devon. So, Dr. Fate recognizes where this is. Knows where to go. Uh, presumably scoops up Inza and heads out. We don't find out that she's with him until several panels later, uh, but she is, so we assume that's what happened. Now, over in England, rich man after rich man after rich man after wealthy man is finding that they have this strange urging to gather up their finances and take them to this particular house that sits atop the White Cliffs of Devon. So as Fate and uh, Inza arrive, they see that there are cates and boxes and carts and whatnot stacked up in front of this house. Fate says, look, those men hypnotized, forced to bring money here. I have no idea how they can tell that there's money in those things, but okay. Uh, Fate goes to confront the dark sorcerer, but holds up because he realizes that as long as he is in possession of this book, the sorcerer could do anything uh, up to and including the destruction of the entire planet. So this takes perhaps a little bit more finesse than just charging in guns blazing. As they hold back and watch, the gentleman in possession of the book, along with the book, takes a stroll outside his house and he walks to the edge of the cliffs overlooking the Atlantic Ocean or overlooking the, uh, maybe it's the French Canal. I'm not sure where Devon is. He starts reading uh, from the book a chant and as he does so, the trees start to sway and twist on the land. All of the denizens of the ocean gather in the water at the base of the cliff all to listen to this incantation that he has. Well, in the midst of this, Dr. Fate covers Inza up with his cloak, indicating that there are things here you must not see, Inza. I'm an adept, a master, so it is safe from me. 
Meanwhile, the gentleman continues chanting. He, the, the cliffs beneath his feet rupture open, and he is slowly lifted into the air. At this point, Dr. Fate feels that whatever he is doing has progressed far enough, and he decides to attack uh, in midair. He zooms up on the man and snatches the Book of Thoth from his hands. The evil wizard manufacturing out of midair via the evil magic a stave with which he is going to pummel Dr. Fate. To no avail, Dr. Fate, in a stellar bout of hand-to-hand aerial combat, knocks out the evil wizard, who plummets to his death, crashing atop the white cliffs of Devon at the feet of Inza. However, his spell has set things in motion. The trees continue to move around. The denizens of the deep are becoming more and more agitated, and they're jumping and flipping about in the ocean at the base of the cliffs. The trees, so animated now that they, in turn, attack Dr. Fate and Irma, uh, Inza. Dr. Fate grabs up one of the trees and wields it as a whip, whipping the other trees back. You can almost hear him saying, yeah, yeah, like you would a lion tamer or something like that back in the 30s and 40s circuses, although he's not holding a little stool in his other hand. He's wielding the tree with both hands. He whips the other offending trees back enough that he can turn his attention to the actual Book of Thoth, with the assumption that this is still continuing to animate the spell, causing these other things to happen. Fate determines he must destroy the Book of Thoth with atomic power, and he flames the book, uh, uh, turns it to ash instantly. He then directs, you know, with with a wave of his hand, that the ash of the book fall into the ocean below at the base of the cliffs. And the narrator tells us as the dust of the book is received by the waters, they heave and hiss, and the fish die by thousands. So now fate, having saved the world, scoops up Imza, heads back to America, with her saying, thanks to you, Dr. Fate, our civilization is once again safe. Very curious writing uh, to me, I, and, and I, I believe I've said this before in earlier issues, but I really dig the lettering of these issues of Dr. Fate that are in more fun comics. Howard Sherman really does a cool job of, of I'm assuming, hand lettering at this point in history, but they, they look really cool, and they change a little bit as different things happen. Uh, it, it just I, I really like the feel of those letters. Uh, the story writing is is okay uh it's you know the stories are very short eight to ten pages not a whole lot of any kind of character development not a whole lot of background but a lot of you know junk tossed out at you you have thoth you have this river you have this evil sorcerer who's never given a name uh they go from the u.s over to england to devon i don't know why devon uh first having uh, dr fate having traveled to egypt which let me just say that apparently the egypts were into a lot of magical malfeasance that they have all of these evil and dark issues and if not the egyptians then atlantis uh, they they dabbled in things which i guess ultimately proved their undoing but they dabbled in things that just you know obviously it turns out would have been better left alone uh, Dr. Fate 
as he's being written so far by Gardner Fox, really is is remaining aloof, separate from the human race, even though we know that he himself is human. I guess really at this point, the readers don't really know that, nor do the denizens of Dr. Fate's world. Again, this won't be revealed for another mm, 10 issues or so in the book, so we're, we're privy to information that everyone else who had been reading this at the time doesn't, so we, we're, we're kind of in the know. Uh, elbow, elbow, eyebrow nudge. Uh, curious, curious 1940s writing. A lot of the Golden Age writing is just really difficult for me to palette, um, particularly the superhero fare. Superheroes are they're just really difficult. But this twist and turns with with magic and sorcery. This is this is interesting. This is holding my interest a lot better than the just general superhero stuff. Um, I know from past experience that the Spectre comics from this time period also hold my interest, and oddly enough, they're from a very similar vein. Magic, demons, hell, you know, that, that whole aspect of of their, the, the creative, the, the universe that they're creating. Almost which makes me wish that a, a person like uh, Marvel's Doctor Strange, somebody like that, had been uh, written about too. Per- perhaps he was with uh, Zatara, is that his name? Zatanna's dad? And then uh, there's the magician dude that wears the turban that I see in my mind's eye, but I can't remember the name of. Maybe those are the kind of stories also that I'm I'm thinking about, and I just haven't read them, so I don't know. But there you go, guys. There's more Fun Comics 58 as it pertains to Dr. Fate. Next episode, we will be talking about Earth 2, issue 17 from the New 52. We'll talk to you guys then. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative 3.0 unported license.